welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth and Photo. So let me ask you a question. Do you care about patients and their outcomes, specifically how great it is when your whole practice is rallied around a solid outcomes management program? If you love to nerd out on this kind of talk like I do, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening from October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's the Clinical Outcomes Summit. Here's success stories and case studies from your peers about leveraging outcomes data for a deep patient engagement thoughtful business practices, clinical education, optimizing revenue, and more. It's hosted by Photo, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, but it's not just for Photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management. And Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast listeners get a steep discount. The full summit pass is only $150. So at that rate, you can bring your whole office if you wanted to. All you have to do is go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY, that's L-I-T-Z-Y. And all that information will be over at the podcast under this episode at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Now, on to today's episode. Dr. Jenna Cantor is back, and she did a great interview live at CSM with Dr. Sue Griffin. Dr. Griffin has been a physical therapist for more than 30 years. She has practiced in a wide variety of clinical settings throughout that time and continues to practice in acute and long-term care. Dr. Griffin has taught ethical coursework for entry-level and post-professional PTs and PTAs at the state and national level. Examples of her accomplishments include elected Speaker of the House of Delegates for the APTA in 2014, full-time professor for the Physical Therapist Assistant Program at Black Hawk Technical College uh, in Janesville, Wisconsin for more than 20 years, served on the, on the Ethics Committee for the Wisconsin Physical, Therapy Society, uh, Wisconsin Physical Therapy Association, chaired the Wisconsin Physical Therapy Association Task Force when the Wisconsin PT Practice Act was updated. So as you heard, one of her uh, accomplishments is elected Speaker of the House, and that's what they're talking about today. So Jenna hosts and interviews Sue on how to be the Speaker for the APTA's House of Delegates. So in this episode, you'll learn what are Robert's Rules of Order, the responsibilities of Speakers of the House of Delegates, what roles you should seek in order to prepare for Speaker responsibility, and why Sue loves the APTA. So I want to thank Jenna for a really fun interview and informative, I might add. And everyone, I hope you enjoy. Hello, this is Jenna Cantor with Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, and I'm here with Sue Griffin, which is absolutely incredible. I'm uh, just a fan of anyone who is involved with the APTA and really making a change. So would you mind sharing? You're the Speaker of the House of Delegates. Would you mind explaining what is that position? I would love to learn. Sure. So Speaker of the House runs the House of Delegates. So the House of Delegates is pretty analogous to like a representative body like you'd have in your state legislature, like the Assembly. So every every state, every state chapter gets to elect physical therapists as representatives, and it's the number is based on the number of members they have in their chapter. 
So we have uh, about 400 every year who come together. And um, they kind of look like, you know, if you've seen those old convention things, like the long tables and the state signs. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's in this huge ballroom. Um, and uh, there is a dais. And so up on the dais, uh, that's uh, where I preside from. And so the speaker stands on the dais and runs the meeting. And it's incredibly formal because you can't have 400 people like talking over one another. It would be a mess. Well, it'd sound like, you know, English yeah. parliament or something, but which we don't want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then we also have, um, so that's the state chapter part. And then we also have all of, all of the sections have a representative. The student assembly sends two representatives. Uh, the board of directors um, sends, is there, and um, PTA caucus. So they all have uh, representatives. They don't have a vote, but they are able to speak and debate and offer motions and things like that. So that's how we, that's how our association creates positions and policies. So with all these people together, you are leading the meeting? I am, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, Robert's rules and all. Yes, yes, <laughs> very, very formal. And so we, um, we stick to Robert's rules really strictly because otherwise, again, like it would be chaos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And would you mind explaining what are Robert's rules for those who do not know? Everyone knows what, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding, no one knows. Um, so Robert's Rules of Order is a um, specific kind of school of parliamentary process. Um, so there are a couple different schools, but this is probably the most famous. And so there's literally a book. It looks kind of like a thick little mini Bible, um, and it helps, helps you run a meeting. So it has rules about procedure, like who can speak when, and um, if someone brings a motion in other words, if they want to take action, they present it in a very carefully worded format, and then there are processes for how people can change or amend that motion so that you can... It's a way for a group to make decisions. Um, I'd yeah, say and it makes it easier for everyone else to follow. Right, and the basis is really to protect the, the voice of the minority and yet still let the majority accomplish their will. And I so love that's that. That's kind of the whole purpose of using it. And what is the time commitment for your position? It varies a little bit, um, but there's kind of a, a low-level, steady level of commitment that's probably five to ten hours a week because I also serve on the board of directors, so I have to participate on all the board activities as well as manage the house activities. Um, and then, t like, times like this, like, pretty much from January through June, so the House of Delegates right now is always in June, so pretty much from January to June, or at least CSM to June, uh, is when people are really working hard on their motions and we're trying to help them craft them. And so I would say the time commitment is, you know, probably 15 to 20 hours a week. That's great. That's great. Well, you're making a big difference. So I, that makes sense. That it, And then, of course, as it gets closer, I'm sure it increases. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I, I don't know that I'm making a big difference. I think I'm helping... Uh, everybody make a big difference. You know, I, mean, I think I'm trying to just, you know, I'm the facilitator. I'm not the, I'm not the maker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as the facilitator, why do you like this job? Oh, it's just great. I mean, first of all, it's just so many passionate and really smart people, you know, coming together and they all have such great intent. I mean, oh, I believe it. you know, I yeah. mean, I suppose every process like this is political to some extent, but you know, we don't have, everybody's really trying to move and accomplish what they really believe is best for the profession. And I feel like we really have a group that shares common values at a really deep level. And it's just so exciting to see those people come together and be able to 
accomplish things because physical therapy is the best profession, right? Yeah. And so for us to be able to do things that can help us, you know, elevate our level of practice, get, you know, people to access us better. I mean, that's the kinds of things that, you know, our association is trying to drive to do. And this is this is a big part of that. This is the driving body in many ways. Oh, absolutely. It's honestly why I love the APTA, personally. So for you, what past experiences greatly contributed for you being able to handle and take on this position? I would love to hear your journey. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Sue's answer. Let's talk about something important patients and their outcomes. If you love to nerd out on this kind of talk like I do, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening from October 23rd to the 25th, and it's the Clinical Outcomes Summit. It's hosted by Photo, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And the best part, healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. At that rate, go ahead and bring your entire team. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. That's L-I-T-Z-Y. Hope to see you there. Probably, I mean, I think a really formative part was when I served as the secretary of our state chapter um, in Wisconsin, and I served that, I did that role for four years. And, you know, secretaries have to take minutes. And so, you know, you're in a meeting with maybe 12 or 15 people, and, and that meeting is not run very strictly on Robert's Rules of Order. So, you know, there's a lot of discussion, which is really perfectly appropriate. But at some point, you know, I would find myself kind of listening, and then I'd say, so is this what you're trying to say? You know, I'd take notes, and I'd help people craft motions. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I want to say. That's good. So I it really helped me learn how to listen to a lot of conversations and try to distill the essence of what people were trying to accomplish. And that has served me very well because part of the speaker's role is to serve um, on a committee called the Reference Committee, which is a group that helps people guide and craft their motions in a way that's specific. And um, so it's really helpful for that. But it's helpful when you're trying to facilitate a group of 400. You have to be able to listen and kind of hear and try to sense where people are going because they kind of know where they want to go. They don't always know how to get there. So I think that really helped. But then, um, you know, I early on became a member of the National Association of Parliamentarians, which has a lot of great educational resources. So that's how I learned a lot about more about the intricacies of Robert's Rules. And I was really lucky that I got to serve for seven years. Um, so I'm from Wisconsin and Illinois, runs um, a, state, a state assembly, like um, New York does. <laughs> so I served as their parliamentarian for several years. And so, you know, again, I wasn't running the meeting, but I had to understand it. I had to prepare it. I had to help me learn how to anticipate when amendments might be coming, how would you handle them. And so it really taught me a lot about how to prepare for the meeting in a way that you, because you never want to be surprised up there if you can avoid it. Yeah. So I would say those are really the main things that helped me prepare for the speaker role in particular. I love that because there's not one way. So what jobs, aside from the ones that you just mentioned, would you recommend people could take on in order to, order to be appropriate for your position if they were looking and going, oh, one day yes. I'll be Sue Griffin? <laughs> um, well, probably one thing I should have mentioned that I didn't is you really need to be a delegate to the House of Delegates, right? I mean, I did that for, for 
15 years at least. So they need to be a delegate. And, and that really helps them, I think, link into other, I mean, at least to help me link into other opportunities, either at the chapter or section level, so that um, they can kind of figure out their path. But again, being a secretary, I think, is a really good role. Um, anything where they have to run a meeting, so they could be like even a SIG chair or a, um, you know, a committee chair. It doesn't have to be president, but certainly being chapter president could help because you obviously have to run meetings. Um, being on the reference committee is phenomenal. I mean, it gives you great role. Um, and then we also have another position on the board called the vice speaker of the House of Delegates. And sometimes people who've been in the vice speaker role have wanted to go to speaker, and sometimes they haven't. So, I mean, it's not obligatory, of course, and it's not required to be vice speaker, but those are some other ideas or options, I would say. Awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah. And what motivated you to work specifically towards this position? Because there's a lot of positions that make a great difference in the APTA. So what what made you go, this is this is the fit for me? Yeah, it's actually the only one I've ever really wanted. And, um, you know, my very first probably hour as delegate, you know, back in 1995 when Andrew Guccione was up there on the dais and I I just was captivated by the formality of the proceedings. I was captivated by how he managed everything and how he really helped people accomplish their work and uh, that was very appealing to me to be able to help people move forward and accomplish what they wanted to do. I love that. What is something you have accomplished in this position that makes you so proud? There may be many, but I would love to. <laughs> I can see your brain going, tick, tick, tick. Oh, gosh, there's a lot. But I would love to hear one or maybe a few that pop in your head. Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm a Midwesterner, so I can't be proud of myself for anything. You know, I can be proud of other people. That's, um, that, oh. ca- that counts. It's Honestly, we're all in this together, so I would love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really proud of how the delegates have worked really hard to... Um, well, first of all, I guess I'm I'm been really honored because they really have put a lot of trust in me, and so they have allowed me to help them enact procedures and activities that make the house more efficient. And so I'm really proud of how um, people who've been really entrenched in something that's really formal and very tradition laden have been really willing to change and to take on change and to try different things and procedures to see if we can improve. Um, I feel like the association on the whole is like on the cusp of really bold things. And so I'm really proud of being able to help the House as a major decision-making body try to also change in ways that are kind of in lockstep with that boldness. Um, I'm really proud of all the work. The uh, House created, for the first time in my knowledge, a special committee to do a complete revision of every single policy position standard document guideline in our whole association, like 350 documents. And they've done this over the course of two years. So I'm really proud of their work and, again, how they've really elevated the level of work and function of the house. So that's pretty cool. That is. That is. And you've been around for all of it to happen. I I I love that. What goals are you working towards now, or goal that you would like in your position to just up up the ante, make it even better? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of that same theme, right? Like trying to continue to move on with that progression, stay in with the boldness that the, um, you know, and we're all moving into our next century, right? As a as a profession and as an association, and so that's true. Everything's always going to be moving forward, right? And so I think again, you know, people don't make people don't come together and meet in the same way that they did 50 years ago. And the house is 75 years old this year. Oh, really? That's very exciting. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's a good number. Isn't 75. It? Yeah. yeah, it's got a solid feel. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, we don't do the things, obviously. Nobody works this, the way they worked even 10 years ago. And so, you know, and people, I think, think differently and want to interact differently than maybe they did 10 or 20 years ago. So in order for the house to be meaningful and be a way for people to make decisions, it has to allow processes that um, are comfortable to people and that facilitate the way they're wor- used to working together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Final question. Why do you love the APTA? Oh, man, because <laughs> I said, you know, this is the best profession ever. And to be able to come together with a group of like-minded, passionate, brilliant people, to be able to, you know, do what, move our profession forward and to get people to access physical therapy who really need it, there's nothing better. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your passion and also helping people understand not only what you do, but if they want to be the next Sue Griffin, how they could do it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me and and everybody should, you know, go be a delegate. Again, a huge thank you to Jenna Cantor and Sue Griffin. And hopefully now people have a better idea of what the House of Delegates is, what they do and what the speaker does. So thank you guys for a great interview. And of course, thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, NetHealth. So we want to make sure that you know all about the Clinical Outcomes Summit, October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee. What is it about? Patients and their outcomes. So you will hear success stories and case studies. It's hosted by Photo, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive changes for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And... Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. So at that rate, you can bring everyone. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. That's L-I-T-Z-Y. So go to Knoxville, Tennessee in October. Meet up with your peers, learn, and have fun. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.